0: Hey, everybody, good morning again. Welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Again, I am Pastor Chris. If you w- uh, walked in uh, during worship, we're glad that you're here. Uh, take a moment, fill out your Connect card, you can turn that in. Uh, again at the end of the service. We are in week four of this series we've been in called At the Movies. If you're wondering, you know, as you came in, wow, what are the lights and the marquee all about? Uh, What we've been doing for the last uh, several weeks is just uh, taking a a movie, a summer movie uh, usually, and uh, just using it really as a hook, uh, a springboard, if you will, then to talk about uh, spiritual truth and we've had some fun with it uh... had some kind of hard-hitting uh... messages and i hope you've uh, enjoyed the series so far uh... raise your hand if you've seen the movie maleficent i think i pronounced it right maleficent um, we took a small group of people to see that uh... this past week and that's what i want us to use today um, it was actually a pretty good movie on the scale of movies that i've seen so far this summer It's probably one of the better ones um, it's a little bit of the uh... backstory and a kind of a, a retelling uh, of Disney's original, what, what was what's the, the original movie? Sleeping Beauty. And uh, some of you, that was one of the first movies you ever saw at the theater, right? No, okay, uh, for you old people here. Um, but the, the focus of this modern version really is on, you know, The Witch, or really not so much in this version. You'll, you'll see that, if you will, um, but on Maleficent. Now, there are all kinds of spiritual themes in this movie. This is really one of those movies where, to, in my mind, is very easy and obvious. And if you wanted to have a conversation with somebody afterwards, this is a, an, easy, uh, an easy movie to do that because there are a lot of different you know, spiritual overtones or just spiritual themes that you could kind of pull out. Uh, There's the theme of revenge and bitterness. And man, that's really prevalent. You see that all throughout the movie. Uh, In my mind, a verse that popped to mind was Hebrews 12, 15 that says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That could be like a a theme verse for for this particular movie. Or uh, another obvious uh, element is kind of like the rich young ruler. You know, you see uh, Stefan uh, chasing after the things of this world and losing a friendship and even his soul in the process. And so you see that kind of going on there. And then uh, a, a more, one of the more obvious themes in the movie is the theme of redemption. You know, a, as evil and vengeful as uh, the main character, Maleficent, becomes, you discover that she's not beyond redemption. You know, that, that no one ultimately is beyond love's reach, and true love ultimately wins out. Now, that's, I won't say a lot because I don't want to spoil the thing for you, but, um, but there's something else really from this particular movie that I want us to draw from today and, and talk about, and uh, it's the theme of good versus evil. Uh, it, it's this idea that we really are in a spiritual war, a real spiritual battle. And uh, that's definitely obvious in the movie. There is a battle scene. And, uh, you know, in the original Sleeping Beauty, uh, which th- really does have some dark uh, moments, by the way, uh, Maleficent is actually called, get this, in the original movie, the mistress of all evil. And in the original movie, she actually calls upon the powers of hell to help her. Not exactly a friendly children's movie, by the way, for a lot of it. But anyway, um, now that's not the case in this more modern version. However, again, there is, a, there is a battle, an outright battle scene. But then there's kind of this ongoing battle for Maleficent's soul. And uh, in fact, you know, that's one of the things you love about Disney, or if you're a, you know, a fantasy fiction fan as far as movies go, you know, Disney has a special way of just kind of, you know, pulling back the curtain of reality. You know, from what what you and I can just normally see, and then showing us a whole other world. Well, the truth is, today, that's the world that I want us to focus on. I want us to talk about. I want us to talk about the spiritual world, the spiritual battle that we're in. Good versus evil. And I want to share several truths with you. Three, in fact, and then we're going to look at some other things. But truth number one, if you're taking notes uh, there on your outline, number one, you have an enemy. You have an enemy. Uh, He is a powerful enemy. Uh, In fact, he has declared war on you. Uh, There is a spiritual battle that is going on currently beyond what you and I can see. There, There is an enemy, the Bible says, and he is determined to steal, kill, and destroy you. He is waging a brutal assault every single day. On your heart, on your mind, on your family, on your children, on your marriage, on your finances. And you say, okay, well, Pastor Chris, who is he? Well, his name is Satan, the devil. Now, you might be sitting there this morning going, really? Pastor Chris, you know, come on. This is the 21st century. This is 2014. I mean, Satan, oh, the devil, you know. I mean, that's just an old wives' tale, right? I mean, he's just a myth. That's a great Halloween costume. Are you saying that you actually believe in a real devil, that you believe in that? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, Well, where did he come from? The Bible says that he was actually a created being, an angel. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is not, it's not that he is equally powerful you know, on the same level with God. It's not like it's good versus evil on an equal playing field, equal powers. That's not it at all. He was a created being. In fact, he was created uh, to minister to and to serve God. And he gets a little full of himself and he decides that he wants to be God and not just serve God. So he convinces a group of angels to rebel with him in somewhat of a cosmic rebellion against God, a treason, if you will. Uh, They go to war, Satan loses, God wins. And uh, many people believe that Revelation 12 is kind of a news report of that event. Listen to what it says. Follow along as I read, it'll be on the screen. You can uh, open it up in your own Bibles, Revelation chapter 12. Listen to what it says. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Verse 12. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. So, you know, how does that affect you and me? You know, day in, day out, on a regular basis... What are some of the consequences of that? Verse 17. Then the dragon became angry at the woman, and he declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and confess that they belong to Jesus. Now, who is that? Raise your hand. That's you, okay? It's you. He's declared war on you. You know, it's that old you know if you can't hurt the parent, you'll go after the what? The children. He, he, he knows he's been defeated. He knows he can't you know beat God. So what's he going to do? He's going to wreak havoc on you and me. He's declared war on you. In other words, Satan, the Bible says, is furious. He says that full of fury at every believer. So much so that he has assigned demons to personally destroy you. He has declared a war on you, on your family. You know he's the one that makes your life miserable. he's the one who makes life hard. Very few people today here's here's kind of one of the overriding points that I want you to get today. Very few people today live their lives as if you are aware. That there's a war going on, that you're at war. Now, not, I don't want to freak you out. I don't want to scare you. We're not going to dim the lights even further and shine a flashlight on my face while I preach this sermon. But we many people go through life pretty much oblivious to this. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, one of the greatest passages ever written on this spiritual battle that you and I are in today. And that's what I want us to talk about. Beginning in verse 10, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. A final word. Now, how many of you know that a final word, stop right there just for a second, is important? And I mean, it is. It's especially, you know, if you're a parent. You know, you send your kids off to camp, you know, or to school, or a long trip, or to college, and you got that moment, and you're like, you know, you want to say, and it's not like it's, final as in final final but like you you, there's something on your heart that that you want to say or those of you maybe who are a little bit older and you think about your kids getting married or maybe they already have gotten married and you're with them right there in the back before they walk down the aisle before they go out front and you want to say those things that are on your heart those things that are important so in other words Paul says, this is the final word. So they're they're full of emotion, they're full of conviction and passion. He wants them to get this, okay? So here in this passage, that's what's going on. Paul is is full of conviction. In fact, as you read this, what you discover is that he's writing it as if he's a general and he's speaking those final words to the troops before before he sends them off into battle. So this is important. That He's full of conviction. He wants you and I to get this. Okay? So, here's what he says. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. In other words, he begins this passage by painting a picture that I want you to be aware of something. Listen, you're getting ready to get yourself into something that's going to be difficult. I mean, pretty much it's going to be hand-to-hand, house-to-house combat. You know, be strong. It's going to be exhausting at times. It's going to be overwhelming. And so you, you need the strength that only comes from Jesus himself. So be strong in the Lord's mighty power. And then verse 11 says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of who? Of the what? Who? The devil. Now, notice a couple things right there. First of all, the plurality of, of those words. Strategies. Tricks. In other words, Satan doesn't just have one trick up his sleeve. He, he, he's got all kinds of, of strategies, designs, schemes, It is though Satan has a custom-designed strategy just for you. I mean, he knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He wants to bring you down. Now, why does he want to do that? Well, he wants you to miss out on that abundant life that God has for you. He wants you to miss out on that. I mean, you know, we say that all the time here at Coastal, right? You know, Jesus came to bring you what? What's the word, John ten ten, Life. And not just ordinary, average life, but abundant life, joy-filled life. And so what is Satan wants, wanting to do? He's wanting to keep you from ever experiencing that. Right before that, Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, look at verse 12. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says... And this is important. This this is really a crux of this passage. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. Wow. In other words, they're not the enemy. Okay? And again, he pulls back the curtain. Here's the real world. We're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. Here's the real world. But against those evil rulers and authorities of what world? The unseen world against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, against the wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Wow. Now, today, 2014, in our culture, in our day and time, we are a very uh, scientific, naturalistic, cause and effect, rational people. You know, that's why this, this whole spiritual realm, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people here in this Western culture. I mean, basically in America, you know, if we can't see it, touch it, measure it, examine it, then we don't believe in it. And and much like, again, our, our modern day movies, fantasy fiction, Disney, whatever, what the Apostle Paul is doing, he's pulling back the curtain on what you and I can see with our eyes and touch with our hands. And what he's saying is, hey, Christ follower, follower of Jesus, guess what? You are in a war, but it's not with people. There is a whole spiritual world going on. And and our enemies are not flesh and blood. This is important. Guess what? Your enemy today is not the person that drives you crazy at work. That's not the enemy. It's not your wicked neighbor, okay? Okay? It's not the business partner who unfairly took advantage of you. It's not even the person who pursued your spouse. You see, if you and I could... If we only knew what was going on, if, if the curtains of this physical world really could be pulled back and we could see the spiritual world, wow, you know what we would see? We'd see that we have a real enemy and he and his, his it says, his wicked spirits tempt people in the area of our weaknesses? And then even more importantly, here's what we would see. Rather than seeing people that we come into contact with every day as the enemy, you know, as the enemy, instead of seeing our neighbor and our coworkers and the people that we do life with who frustrate us sometimes, instead of seeing this, them as the enemy, do you know what we would see them as? Objects of God's love, objects of God's grace, the very reason why we are here, to reach out to that person, to show them the love of Jesus. So, we're at war, we have an enemy, truth number one. Truth number two, evil days are coming. I mean so far this is a very encouraging message today isn't it wow pastor chris we're at war we got an enemy evil days are coming glad i woke up today no but but this is true verse 13 listen to this use every piece of god's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle you will still be standing strong, standing firm. The The New International Version says, when the day of evil comes. In other words, not when, excuse me, not if it comes, but when it comes. Raise your hand if you've ever had a bad day. Had a bad day? Bad week? Anybody have a bad week? I mean, you know, just pretty bad, even this past week. How many of you, today's not looking too hot either, right? It's just a bad day. Um, you know, you ever think about that? I mean, I know I realize sometimes, we create our own messes sometimes. There's a lot of you know, cause and effect going on out there. But, but have you ever really thought, why is it that I'm having a bad day? Why is it that I'm having a bad season, a bad week? Listen, again, I know sometimes, yes, cause and effect, we create a lot of mess that we go through. However, I think sometimes the answer is, and we don't see this, we're at war. There is a real enemy, and these are evil times, and he's trying to mess with you. He's trying to bring you down. You know, now at war, sometimes, you know, days are quiet. You know, not every day is hand-to-hand combat. Not every day is full of shelling and bombing and fighting. But you're going to have some tough days. Let me be brutally honest with you. There are going to be days in your life when loving your wife or respecting your husband is harder than it's ever been. There will be days in your life when raising your children is harder than it ever seemed before. There will be days in your life when going to that job that you used to love now seems like a drudgery every day and you want to quit. There will be days when paying your bills and making ends meet seem harder than ever before. There will be times when the ministry that you've been serving in It just seems like another plate you're trying to spin and keep from breaking. There will be days when resisting temptation, whether that's taking another drink, looking at porn, eating more than you should, is harder than it's ever been before. And that's not always just because it's cause and effect. Sometimes you just have to face the reality that you have an enemy and you are at war. Now, that is, I guess, the reality. Some might say the bad news. But here's the great news, okay? You ready for this? Truth number three. You and I have the power to overcome. You know, it doesn't say here, well you might possibly be able to resist. You know, maybe if you do a few things, you might not get beat up so bad. And, you know, you might not have to limp on into heaven. It doesn't say that. He says, you can resist the evil one. He says, stand firm if, and this is what I want to talk about, if you use the armor, the provisions that God's given you. Now, not only are most most Christians today totally oblivious walk through everyday life without even thinking that you're in a battle, you have an enemy, you're out you're at war. I don't think a lot of believers realize the equipment, the armor that you've been given to be victorious. You know, to overcome. So Let's take a look really quickly. And again, we could spend, honestly, like a month on this passage. And each one of these pieces of armor could be a whole message in and of themselves. But I want to hit them kind of quick today. The Apostle Paul paints a picture here, again, of a soldier, right? Because he's a general. You're getting ready to go out into battle. This is the final word, he says. And so now, here's the armor that you're going to wear. And he compares it to the first century armor that they wore in that day. The first thing he says you need is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, why? Well, one of the primary ways that Satan wants to attack you and attack me is through lies. Just lies. You know, Jesus said this about uh, Satan, John 8, 44. Listen to this. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the what? The truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a what? A liar and the father of lies. So most of the attacks of Satan begin right here, in your mind, in your thought life. And so what he does is he plants a lie in your mind, and then he parades it around as the truth. And what he wants to happen is for you to agree with it to accept it as reality, accept it as truth. And then, you know what that does? That gives Satan uh, what we call a stronghold, a battle station in your soul. And it's an opportunity. All it is is an opportunity for him to dig in and to wreak havoc in your life and and keep you from experiencing the light that God intended. Here's an example. You're a parent. Uh, You you have one of those just tough conversations with one one of your kids and then you hear this voice. And the voice says, man, you blew it. What kind of parent do you think you are? You are pitiful. You always blow it. And then you go, man, you're right. I'm a terrible parent. Now, what have you done? You have made, you have, you have made agreement with the lie that Satan planted in your heart, and he's just dug a, a post. He, he has a battle station, a stronghold in your life. You start an exercise program, maybe it's to lose weight, maybe it's just to get healthy, whatever. You're at the gym, and man, you're going to town on one of those uh, uh, like elliptical machines, and, and then you hear this. You are nothing but a big, fat pig, and you will always be one. And then Satan is just looking for you to agree. I mean, whatever it is, you're tempted. You're trying to break a habit. You'll never be able to do it. Maybe you're trying to, you know, do something new spiritually in your life. Something you've never done before and you're excited about it. And then all of a sudden, it comes to mind times where you failed in the past. And that voice says, man, you're going to screw this up too. You always do. You know where this is going to end. Guys, listen, again, we are totally oblivious to the fact that you're at war, you have an enemy, and he's trying to plant lies. So what's the answer? Again, equip yourself with the belt of truth. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So again, the battle's in your mind. Satan is trying to get you to start thinking improperly about God, about yourself, about church, about other people, about ministry. And... And do you know what's going to happen if you do that? He's going to get you off course, off track, keep you from experiencing the abundant life. And so you put on the belt of truth. Think of the belt of truth kind of like a strainer. It's what you use to determine what you're going to believe. In other words, a thought comes to mind, and this is what should happen. You should think, well, before I agree with this, before I accept this, As truth, is it true? You know, does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with what God says about me? Because if if it's not God, it's not true. And the Bible says that we need to take those thoughts what? What was the word? Captive. And you say, whoa, wait a second. You know, I'm not going to agree with that. that. This is the enemy. I'm not going to agree with, with, with these lies. He is at war with me. The Bible says he is a liar. He is, a fa- he is the father of lies. I don't have to accept that. I don't receive it. I don't agree with it. That is not what God says about me. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you put on the, the, the belt of truth. You take those thoughts captive. second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Kind of like the, the bulletproof vest of their day. It was to protect the heart, to protect the vital organs. And so Satan is trying to get you off track, not only by what you believe, but now he's trying to get you to sin, to act on it. So the breastplate of righteousness basically says that as a Christian, I am to be a reflection of the righteousness of God, not because of what I've done, Not because of who I am, but because, listen to this, this is important. God has given you the righteousness of Jesus. He he has actually given that to you. And so when temptation comes, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, and you you know what you're able to say? Hey, you know what? God has called me to live above that. God's called me to something greater. I'm not going to believe that lie, and I'm not going to act on it. You know, I I make mistakes. I'm not perfect, but God, my loving Heavenly Father, now sees me as perfect because of the righteousness of Jesus. And so I am in the process of becoming more and more and more like He sees me every day. So I don't have to act on that. Third piece of armor, the shoes that are ready to run with the gospel. The shoes that are ready to run with the gospel. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How many of you know that a good pair of shoes are important? A good pair of shoes. I mean, especially depending on what you do for a living. You know, if you're on your feet all day, you know, maybe you're a nurse, uh, you're a teacher, I mean, you're just standing all there. I mean, depending on, you know, if you're a contractor, you know, the right pair of boots or shoes, a great pair of shoes is very important. Well, this verse says that we've got to be ready to run with the good news. In other words, what he means by that is there, there should be an urgency about us. We got to be ready to go. Now, let's talk that through. How can we be ready with the gospel? Let me give you a few ways. First of all, it comes back to this mindset again. We just, we've got to understand that we are always on mission. We are on a mission. We say that at Coastal here all the time. You are a missionary. I am a missionary. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a part of Coastal, you're a part of the kingdom, you are a missionary. Our mission field is this community. You are on a mission from God. That reminds me of another old movie, The Blues Brothers. Remember that movie? That was a classic. They were on a mission from God. Well, we are too. You know, whether at work, at home, at school, in the community, in your neighborhood, 24-7. When you leave these doors, you are a mission on a mission field, loving, serving, praying, building relationships. And then, another way that you share, that, that, that you're ready to run with the gospel, is that as you're building relationships, as you're serving in the community, you're, you're just ready to share the reason for the faith that you have. Because if you're praying, if you're building relationships and you're serving, people are going to ask you some questions. You're going to have some open doors. They're going to say things like, man, why do you go to church? Why are you so involved over there at Coastal? You know, what is it that makes a difference in your life? Why is there, there this over, overriding sense of joy in your life when things seem to be falling apart? You know, how do you teach your children value? What is it that makes a difference in your marriage? How do you make ends meet in this economy? If you're praying, if you're building relationships, if you're living life as a missionary, those open doors are going to come, and you've got to be ready just to share with people what a difference Jesus makes, what a difference the church has made. And then be ready to, to make that invitation, to extend that hand, to invite them to come to your life group to invite their kids to come to Vacation Bible School. Do you realize that I am standing up here today for no other reason than initially a friend of mine invited me to Vacation Bible School? The following week, the youth group was going to camp. I went along, and I gave my life to Jesus, and you're here today. Extend that invitation. Invite them to a special event. Invite them to eat barbecue next week. And then trick them and they're going to come to church, right? You know? Everybody loves barbecue. Um, you know, invite them to Sunday morning. Why? Because when they come to Coastal, you know what they're going to get? Not judgment. Not condemnation. We're going to point them to Jesus. Jesus changes them. Jesus transforms, transforms people. Not me. That's not my job. Jesus does that. That's what they're going to hear about. That's who they're going to see. Next piece of armor, shield of faith. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which again can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Again, he's talking about the first century. They had these shields that were like two by four, and uh, they were made of wood initially, and so the enemy figured this out. They would shoot flaming arrows, and he uses that illustration there, and it would burn up the shields. Now, the guys with the shields figured out that they could wrap the shield with leather dipped in water, and so when the arrows hit, it would quench the fiery arrows of the enemy. So, what he's saying is that that's what we need to do with the shield of faith. Because the enemy who we are at war with, he is sending fiery arrows at you. So what are they? Again, they're the lies. They're the discouragement. When circumstances don't work out the way you thought they should and there's no really cause and effect. You know, those are the fiery arrows the enemy is using to get you off track. He says you need a shield of faith. Well, what's faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of the things that we can't yet see. So, when there is discouragement, okay, when that doubt comes, when the disappointment comes, you know what he's saying? Keep the faith. Keep trusting God. Keep walking forward until you can see it. Not when until. Keep the faith. Keep walking forward. And you can do that because you have been given this shield of faith. It's in your armor. The next piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. In other words, he's saying, protect your head. Protect your head. Because the enemy, he's trying to get in your head. Now, if you've played any kind of sport, there's always a mind game going on, right? I mean, there always is a mind game, and some people are really good at this, you know, uh, whether you're on the court or on the field, if, you, if you're good at this, and if you're smart enough, you can try to get into your opponent's head. Now, raise your hand if you're a golfer. Any golfers here? A few golfers. Try this. Christopher, you are not a golfer, but your your right hand now. Okay. Um, okay, but the next time you're playing golf with Scott, because that's what Christopher does. He's just there to get in Scott's head, okay? But... <laughs> The next time you're playing golf with somebody, try this, okay? This is a great suggestion. I mean, right as they're getting ready to tee off, you might even interrupt them like in mid-swing and make them stop, okay? At least once. Interrupt them and say this. Let me ask you a question. Do you breathe out or do you breathe in when you're taking your swing? And then you step back. That's all you got to do. I mean, all of a sudden, it'll like... What? And and it'll it'll wreak havoc with them, okay? Now, the enemy, he's trying to do that all the time. He's trying to get in your head. With what? Things like, you're not worthy. God doesn't love you. He will never forgive you. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you did last night. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be. All these people are better than you. He's trying to get into your head. And you know what? You need to say, man, I've got the helmet of salvation. I am saved. I am secure in his kingdom. I'm a part of his family. I put my faith in Jesus. I have an eternity waiting on me in heaven. Not based on what I've done, but based on what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection 2,000 years ago. I got the helmet of salvation. One more, the last one. The sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God, the Bible. Here's the weapon that you have got to be well-trained in using. You've got to be familiar with it. You've got to be comfortable with it. And coastal, the only way that happens is you start reading it. You get into it. You, 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 you immerse yourself in it. But Because you, you've got to understand, Satan, he'll use the same sword. He just twists it. So you've got to know what the Bible says. You know, go back to Jesus being tempted in the desert. Satan comes to him, and what does Satan do? Satan actually quotes some scripture. Now, he twists it, but Jesus knew the word. And he corrected him. He said, no, 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 no. This is what God was saying. This is what God's word says. And that's a reminder to me and you that we've got to read God's word. We've got to get into God's word. But all too often, listen to me. Do you know what, what most Christians do today? We take the sword, we pull out the sword, and we're just stabbing each other over things that don't really matter. One iota. Or, we we do one of two things. We're either stabbing other Christians, or we are stabbing the very people that we are called to reach out and love. And all the while, we're at war. And we have an enemy. And that enemy is not flesh and blood. And then he concludes everything in verse 18 with this. Pray at all times. On every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. That's a great way to close out this whole section. Listen, if you're a believer, he says pray. Pray for each other. Pray at all times. Be persistent. Stay alert. Why? Because you have an enemy. We're at war. Evil days are coming. He is trying to destroy your life. He's trying to destroy your family. And so you've got to understand that you are going to be bombarded by the enemy. But the good news is, we've not been left alone. We have the power to overcome. And it's not because of you. It's not because of me. But it's because of the power that's available to us through Jesus. So, coastal. Put on the full armor of God, and let's do battle. Now, here's the good news. This is awesome. The battle that we are waging, the battle that we are in, ultimately, we already know who the winning side is. We win, right? We know the outcome. We're on the winning side. Ultimately, Satan has been defeated, and true love wins out. And you know what gets to happen in the meantime? Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. In the meantime, we get to be a part of the church. You know, I get to be a part of the family of God. And the Bible says that you and I get to beat down the very gates of hell. And then we get to rescue people. We get to save person after person after person with the love of Jesus. So Coastal, let's go to battle. There are people all around us who need the love and the life-changing power of Jesus. And we've got it. So let's share it. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you have not left us to our own and that you've given us the armor, the power that we need to live that abundant, joy-filled life. Father, thank you for all of our armor. God, wake us up a little bit. You know, sometimes, again, we just go through life oblivious that there is an enemy, that he is real, that he wants to defeat us, that he wants wants us to live just just to slink through life, limp through life with no joy, no adventure, and just to kind of limp into heaven to to make no impact, to have no effect on the world around us. God, we don't want that. I pray today, God, that we will be the church, that we will rise up, we will put on your full and complete armor, and we will go to battle, and we will stand victorious, and we will live the adventure that you've called us to live. Father, maybe there's somebody here today, and they're just ready to come home. They've, uh, they've been living a defeated life. They've blown it, and they've messed up more ways than they can count. Listen, if you feel that way today, and you're ready to come home, you're ready to be a follower of Jesus... Pour out your heart to God right now in a prayer. You say, God, forgive me. Today I want to come home. Father, I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe you sent him to this earth as a payment for my sin, that Satan and death really was defeated, that that Jesus was put in a grave, but three days later he defeated the power of, of evil, he rose from the dead, and he is alive. Today, Father, I believe that. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask Jesus to come into my life, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. And today I simply say I follow Him. And for the rest of my days, I I want to live for you. Not to earn anything, not to work for my salvation, but to simply say thank you for it. Thank you for that righteousness that you have given me. Today I just want to say thank you. Father, I pray for Coastal, may we may we be the church you've called us to be. May we change this world one life at a time. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.